Face the Music, a pre-yellow song-by-song podcast, is sponsored by fine Patreoners like Silverwings. This is Face the Music, a pre-yellow song-by-song podcast. Episode negative zero seven nine, disturbance, or the disturbance, depending on which pressing you're looking at. Disturbance was released as the B-side of the first Move single, Night of Fear, on December 9th, 1966. The move consisted of Roy Wood playing whatever was put into his hands or mouth, Bev Bevan on drums, Carl Wayne and Trevor Burton on vocals and rhythm guitar, and Ace Kefford on bass. But I'm disturbed! I'm depressed! I'm inadequate! I got it all! Hi, I'm Eric Winsenson. And I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And we're causing a disturbance. Finally come that time where we have to organize, get the masses together, and as one, overthrow the bourgeoisie. Can I just really kind of hang out and have a a Dairy Queen blizzard? That sounds capitalist. Counter-revolutionary and delicious. Delicious is what I'm going for. Sounds, <laughs> sounds very delicious. Disturbance. So, Disturbance. It's a B-side. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a B-side. It's definitely not a bad B-side. I don't know. The first time I listened to it, it was I was thinking, it's okay. And then this time, well, it's a little bit more okay. I like most of it. What gets me, though, is when they get to the disturbance part, which is the psychedelic freakout part that a lot of these bands thought had to be in a song in 66 and 67 in order to um, really make it clear that the drugs had kicked in. it's in the middle for instance magic carpet ride doesn't have a bunch of gibbering and everything in it but goes from the harder rock verse chorus and everything into the guitar freak out and then fades back in before it fades out kind of what i was expecting this to do the first time is Okay, here's this part. I was expecting it because it was called Disturbance, and it's a B-side. And so I was definitely expecting this part to be in there, just not right at the end and part of the fade out, which kind of makes the song feel unfinished. Back when Down Under was a big hit, I heard Casey Kasem give a report and an explanation to us Americans what Vegemite was. And Casey Mm. said it's an acquired taste. Although from what I've heard about Vegemite... I don't think you can ever acquire that taste. I think you kind of have to be born into it. I know. I love it. Well, yeah, (laughs) because you're 
disturbed. And when I first heard the move, probably about a year and a half later, late 84, I thought, um, I'm going to guess these guys are an acquired taste because I don't have the taste acquired for it. And there have been quite a few move songs that I have heard. I haven't heard all of them yet. A lot of these, I'm going to be the first time I've heard them. Where it's like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. I'm not liking it. But occasionally you would put the songs would pop up again. It's like, yeah, actually, you know, it's really not that kind of a bad of a song. After I finished putting together the Night of Fear episode from last week, I heard this song for the first time. And I hated it. It was a mess. There were a few things I kind of liked, which I'll get to. But for the most part, I don't ever want to hear this noise again. This is just a racket. This is just a bunch of people banging on instruments, making noise, rebelling against the smooth pop music that may be being produced at the time. And as if to say, hey, we're different because we're noisy. We're not slickly produced. And it's just tough to find any kind of a tune in this. But as I do for every episode of this podcast, because I'm required to, I listen to it at least once a day, and I listen to it a bunch of times in the morning before we record the episode, and it's kind of, you know, I'm actually, I'm kind of liking this. And at some point, yeah, I like it. (laughs) You kind of have to sift through it a few times before you hear, oh, there is a tune here. There is some sort of melody going on here. And then the more you listen to it, the more you can hear it, the more it comes out. The more it's like, yeah, actually, I like this. I don't love it, but I like it. I think it's an interesting song. From the first listen, I kind of liked the chorus. There was something about it that hit me as if it's a chorus from any bunch of songs from the 70s that it could have been only rougher. But still, it was like that germ of something from a 1970s chorus. It's like, I can hear that. And the part at the end. I liked it. It's not something to get your toes tapping, but as somebody who kind of likes different sound effects or sounds going on in a song, I thought it was kind of interesting to hear it. And it also provides me with, if I ever need a drop or sound effects of people losing their mind, there it is. I can take it from there. It is the last minute of the song, so maybe the freakout could have been uh, cut down by 30 or 40 seconds. Lyrics on it are not bad. The thing is, this has to be taken kind of as a novelty song, really, because uh, talking about seven years old and owning a sports car and being rich and everything, and it's silly. That's the spirit I have to take it in. It's not silly like forced silliness like jungle. (laughs) But it's silly as in, okay, we got to record something for the other side of this record. We'll bang this out in a few minutes. Uh, We'll just do a novelty song. And I think it's okay for what it is. It's just not anything. I mean, Night of Fear is definitely the better song of the two. And yeah, this is kind of like one of those little oddball songs you get in the early part of your career it serves its purpose and it's not offensive and i I heard more of a melody in it than you did originally i'm sure probably Um, yeah because i had heard that this was some sort of weird song on it and most of the way through i'm going 
Sounds like about everything else from 1966 <laughs> until it gets to that part. And like I said, I was expecting a little bit more song after it instead of just ending with that because it's normally towards the end or it's normally in the middle. Kudos to Roy Wood for changing things up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I understand this isn't exactly what they try to put forward, even as their top material. So <laughs> it's just a song they did. I like the song. I love the lyrics. It's not yet another one of these standard issue rock songs. I love you. You love me. Everything's wonderful. Or we don't love each other anymore. Everything's sad. This is definitely something Mike Sheridan and the Knight Riders never would have done. It's an interesting story about someone who's nuts. It starts off with, when I was a little boy, my mama dropped me on my head. And then it gets weird after that, story-wise anyway. But it seems like he lived a happy life. I mean, he lived to be 97, and he was racing around in jet planes and sports cars. Unless he's talking about his brain racing around like jet planes and sports cars. So maybe he didn't have a good life. Maybe he wound up in an institution, which is why all the screaming at the end. And there's one line in here that really hits me. And the four or five people who listen to this podcast who know about Jonathan Brammeyer will understand and get it. It's the line, day and night, I'm looning around. I can mm -hmm. relate to that as a Brammeyer loon. <laughs> I like it as a single because usually with singles, they get the A side. And this is the one that's the, you know supposed to be the hit. A B-side is usually either just a throwaway song, uh, a chance for them to be goofy, non-album track, or something from the current album or a previous album. But for the most part, B-sides, they're just there. <laughs> we need something to put on the other side of the hit. Okay, this here's some filling. But I feel like, in this case, both songs go together. Night of Fear is about all the scary things you might see in the dark. And then on the backside, you got somebody who's out of their mind, and it ends with all the terrified screaming that goes on, which, if you wanted to, you could mix these songs in an endless loop, and they would thematically go right together with each other. I think it's nice. It's a theme single. Instead of a theme album, it's a theme single. Night of Fear and somebody whose mind is really off the rails. The one thing it does do is it does actually establish kind of what the move is about, mm -hmm. which is about being different. Yeah. <laughs> Not being a pop band and singing, I love you, you love me, we're a happy family. Oh, or... I asked you not to go there the last time that almost happened. <laughs> now you had to do it. <laughs> I didn't say it last time, and I think I can say it this time because I think it can be said for both of these songs. I think they'd be good Halloween songs, and I should add them to my Halloween playlist. If they're available yeah, on Apple Music, which I don't think much Move is available for streaming, sadly. There needs to be more Move music available for streaming, because there really True. isn't much. I think we need to get on that uh, Apple movement. <laughs> yes, Green Apple movement. <laughs> that was the name of my bubblegum psychedelic band in the late 60s. We were on a double bill with the Lemon Pipers. <laughs> got something to say about disturbance then call the telephone line voicemail six two three eight five oh three three seven five call now 
Well, say, hey, this is Dr. Troy, and, well, here we are at Disturbance, and I have to say, I love this song. In fact, I like it just a little bit better than last week's, although Night of Fear is a good song, too. In this song, I can hear some echo of the Knight Riders, especially in terms of the arrangement and the production of the backing vocals particularly. I've commented before how much I love the arrangement of the backing vocals and the harmonies on the Knight Riders, and, well, I can hear that a little bit here, so Roy isn't completely leaving his old band behind. But, of course, in terms of the lyrics, it doesn't even come close. I mean, basically a song about mental illness, but done in a clever way. And this song, again, I don't want to think too far ahead and think that Roy had this vision planned out for ELO when he was in his early to mid-20s. But I have to say that Disturbance does remind me of my favorite track on ELO's debut album. And that would be Take a Look at Me Now, which featured lead vocals by Roy. And I've loved that song since the first time I've heard it. And so this song, I can kind of hear maybe a faint future echo of that song. And I think it indicates where Roy was headed from this point on. My favorite part of the song, though, the ending. It kind of sneaks up on you by surprise. And I think this would work really well in the soundtrack of a horror movie. I've not looked into this, I think I'm going to, but I just wonder if any late night horror movie host, like say a Sven has ever used this, because if not, I mean it would make a great addition to their program. In fact, I'm thinking of adding the end part of this song at least to my annual Halloween mix. Well, good song this week, looking forward to the rest. Talk to you next time. Feast the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com and we'll read and reply to it on the show. Keep up to date by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. Subscribe to our YouTube page, the Electric Light Orchestra podcast channel, to hear other goodies. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash elopod or PayPal using the podcast's email address or send a check or money order to P.O. Box 1932, Superior, Arizona 85173. Next week, episode negative zero seven eight. I can hear the grass grow. 